now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. He did so because he longs for depth of relationship with us, not just surfacey acquaintances. To Hagar, he showed himself as El Roy. That's the God who really sees me. To Abraham, he revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provided the ram so that his son would be spared. And to all of us, he shows himself. To Gideon, he showed himself as the Lord is peace. Over and over, he did this with the Bible characters. It's the same God, but like a diamond, he reflects different aspects of himself at different times. And this isn't just for Bible characters. He does it for us, too. When you first received salvation, you probably met him as El Shaddai, right? The mighty God, able to save you. Then as a new believer, taking first steps in giving, you came to know him as Jehovah Jireh, the one who supernaturally provides. Or you pressed into Jehovah Rapha for healing, and he did it. Little by little, you got to know more aspects of the Lord and discovered he really is who he says he is. There is no end to the depths of him. And this morning, I believe he wants to further reveal himself to us as being the God of the breakthrough. Not just a breakthrough, but your breakthrough. But will you open your hearts to see a different side of him today? That's the question. I'm going to move this, Tom, because there's like a ringing happening up here. I'm not sure if that's it or not. Please turn with me to 1 Chronicles 14. David had come to know God as the good shepherd, Jehovah-Rohi. He was used to that, and comfortably so. But the Lord was about to rock David's world by showing him an entirely different aspect of who he is. Baal Perazim, God of the breakthrough. David and his men were in a tough spot. They had to confront the aggression of the Philistines. They were a bunch of thugs who had no respect for God, no respect for others, and were trying to shut down Israel's purposes He was trying to shut down David's reign before it could barely begin. So let's read 1 Chronicles 14, starting at verse 1. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. For his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. Skip down to verse 8. Now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And this was not a Google search, okay? Not a Google search. They were searching to do him in. And David heard of it and went out against them. Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said to him, Go up 
for I will deliver them into your hand. So they went up to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they called the name of the place Baal Perazim. And when, they, and when they left their gods there, David gave them a commandment, and they were burned with fire. That's the idols that were burned. Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore, David inquired again of God, and God said to him, You shall not go up after them, circle around them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And some of your versions will say balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle. For God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And we've already heard that this morning from Terry. God is going before you to do his work. So David did as God commanded him. And they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. Then the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Our God is the God of the breakthrough, and he's here. Say it with me. He's here. God of the breakthrough is here with us today. And some of us find ourselves in the same valley that David found himself in. We're in the valley of Rephaim, which is the land of giants. They're not little gimlies coming after you, but some seriously fierce giants. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, I think we're in the, talking to the right group. We've stepped into the land of the big boys who are playing for keeps. Marriages and ministries are at stake. Families, dreams, and lives are all in the balance. And the hideous giants we face are in league with the enemy whose sole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy us in very real ways. But it's against that dark backdrop that God shines most brightly as the God of the breakthrough. Let's go right to the heart of this passage, the key verse, verse 11. And sometimes when I'm trying to really work something in, work a scripture into my heart, I'll read it over and over, and I'll give emphasis to different words. So I would read, God has broken through my enemies. 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 And I would keep doing this and work this verse into my heart, into my life. God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. That's like a tsunami crashing through a wall. 
The word breakthrough is a violent shaking. It's a crushing. It's the same word used of the rocks that split at the death of Jesus. It's the same word used of the veil that ripped in two on that same day from top to bottom. It's the same word used for the skies at the baptism of Jesus where the skies ripped in half and that voice came and said, this is my beloved son, as if to say, because Jesus is now on the scene, nothing will ever be the same. And God's saying that to us today. He wants to give you a breakthrough in a way where things will not stay status quo, things will not be the same, things where there is a definite change, a breakthrough in our lives. He's showing himself strong on your behalf today. Somebody praise him. Praise him. There's some things that are necessary for a breakthrough, and the first one is in verse 2, hope. Hope sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Let me say this quote again. Hope sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Isn't that what we've been talking about for a few weeks? Partnering with God to achieve the impossible? Does it sound familiar? That's what God is wanting to do. Partnering with God to do the impossible. Hope is that joyful anticipation that good's about to happen. David had reason to hope. We see in verse 2 that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and people were acknowledging it. The same story is told in 2 Samuel 5, and there it speaks of them going to Hebron, the place his forefathers were buried. And they recounted past victories. Likewise, we need to remember what God's already done for people who have gone before us, people that have walked the walk of faith and who have already gone before us. Think of what people have already done and experienced in the Lord. Joshua's not still circling the wall, is he? Peter's not still treading water. God did all these things for those who went before us, and he will not abandon us. And think of what he's already done for you in the past. I know you. Some of you have incredible stories of firsthand miracles, firsthand breakthroughs that he's given you before. Miracles of provision and deliverance, miracles of healing, all sorts of things, all sorts of breakthroughs. He hasn't run out. If he's done that for you before, he can do that again. You've heard testimonies of every kind from people sitting right in this room, and you know that they are true. You've watched them happen. You know they're true. Remind yourself of those to stir up hope. Stir up hope. That's what David did in Psalm 42, 5. Because even when there's no earthly vision, reason for hope, we can stir up hope within ourselves. And he said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. And I want you to say that verse with me, but I want you to speak it not to me. 
Speak it to your soul like David did in his dark day. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Amen. Speak to your soul at times like that and stir hope. In December, I was uh, praying about a word for the new year. Does anybody else besides me do that? We have a word for the year, yeah. And in the past, he's given me words like joy or rest or glory. And I'll study that word for the year and really grab a hold of it and press into it. And this year, do you know what he said to me? Drum roll, please. He said, what if? What if? What if? Do you ever just want to coach God out of something or into something? Like, no, 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 we can do better. What if? What are you talking about? What if? But he kept it up, and he said, what if things aren't always this way? What if this happens? What if I did this for you? What if that giant were slain? What if? Yeah, what if? What if? I started to get it. He was stirring my hope because my hope had been running low and I didn't even realize it. How's your hope level? If you had to rate your hope level on a scale of one to 10, how is your hope level? It's important, Joy family, because your breakthrough depends on hope. Your breakthrough hinges on hope. What if? the Lord gave you that breakthrough, what would it look like? The Hebrew word for hope, tikva, means expectation. And quote, it also means cord or rope, which comes from the root word that means to bind or to wait for or wait upon. Tikva is a rope that we can hang on to when the world seems out of control or when we don't know how to make it through a difficult season of life. Halbert. So hope is a rope. <laughs> Not to be confused with soap on a rope. <laughs> hope is a rope and we need to grab a hold of it. It's anchored in him, hang on to it, hold on to that hope. The world is intent on convincing you that all is hopeless. But that's not God. I said, that is not God. The world wants to tell you one thing, but God is telling you to hope. In fact, hopelessness is actually a demonic spirit that's being unleashed. Demonic forces sometimes attach themselves to our thought processes to rob us of our destiny. Don't let the enemy victimize you further by robbing you of the very thing that you need for your breakthrough, hope. Sometimes, in the name of compassion, we let someone, even ourselves, entertain demonic hopelessness. There is no hopeless person. There is no hopeless situation. You might feel that way at times, but our feelings are not our God. 
God says we're to put our hope in him. When we're feeling hopeless, we want God the comforter. And he is that. And he's shown us that side of himself again and again, and we're comfortable with that. But today, he is also showing us another aspect of himself. He's showing you the part of himself that is exhorter, that wants to shake us up, wake us up, and get us to renounce the thing that's killing our breakthrough, to renounce hopelessness. God is here today to not only bring you comfort, but he's here to shake you up and say, renounce hopelessness. No matter what things look like, no matter how long hopelessness has hung on to you, no matter how long it's been a part of your family line, he says, renounce it, which means slam the door on it, shut the door on it, be done with it once and for all. He's asking that of all of us today to say, I'm done with that. It's gotten me nowhere. It only leads you to a place of despair in bad places. He's saying, be done with it once and for all. He won't make you. It's sad, but I've seen it. You can fight for your right to remain hopeless. Some do, but it'll cost you your breakthrough. Once you've closed the door on hopelessness, choose to receive hope afresh. Our hope as Christians is anchored in the resurrection of Christ. 1 Peter 1.3, he's overcome death. And since he's overcome death, everything else is small potatoes, right? Amen. So let go of hopelessness and hold on to the rope of hope that's anchored in him, the one who never lies, the one who's all-powerful. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Hope is so powerful. Years ago in Sri Lanka, after the tsunami... There was just devastation everywhere that you couldn't believe. Almost, if you can imagine, almost every building you know wiped out. Almost every family having lost multiple people. Everyone that you know grieving hard simultaneously. The giants of death and destruction were on every side. And in one meeting where the Holy Spirit was really breaking out, there was this one particular woman who was just beaten to a pulp by life you got to remember, these people had hard lives before this happened. And now, this tsunami that totally wrecked their world. And she was just a crumbled mess. And in this meeting, everything was happening at once. And so there weren't enough interpreters all the way around. And so I was ministering to this woman, and she knew no English. And I only remembered one word in her language, and that was numbake, which means hope. And I just kept speaking hope over her. And we held each other, and we wept, 
And we wept some more. And I just kept speaking hope over her, hope over her. And I felt this spiritual impartation, this thing go out for me like I've never felt before. It reminded me of the story of Elijah laying on the woman's dead son. And hope and life were just being breathed into them again. And I felt this hope go out from me and into her. And little by little, she was receiving it, receiving it. And I watched her unfold from this crumpled mess into standing up and standing strong and raising her arms up to God and praising him with everything in her. We watched that life happen and it had absolutely nothing to do with me. It was God and the power of hope. And that's the same hope he wants to impart into you. Some of you have had tsunamis in life, things that have wiped out everything you knew, everything you believed everything that was familiar, everything. You had nothing and you feel like a crumbled mess and that's what this message is about today. Where you can receive the hope of God. Where you're not done. You're not going to stay down. You're not going to stay in that crumbled mess. But you're going to come strong and receive the hope of God till you are praising him with everything in you. Hope is powerful. It's real, and it does not disappoint. And I want us to do something today to receive that. I'm going to ask us all to right now to stand. And I'm going to ask you to do two things. One is to renounce hopelessness. That means slam the door on it. And the other thing I want you to do is to receive hope afresh. Right now, between you and God. Denounce, renounce hopelessness and receive hope afresh. God, we do it. God, we do it. We put away hopelessness. We put it away and we slam the door on it and we receive hope afresh. Now look at somebody near you. Look them right in the eyes and just speak that one word, hope, over them. Look them in the eyes. You don't know what they're going through, but speak hope over them. You don't know how desperate their situation may be. Look at them. Find somebody. Look in their eyes and speak hope over them this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can sit down. Our God is the God of the breakthrough. Can you say that with me? Our God is the God of the breakthrough. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, which leads us to our second point. The second thing that we need besides hope when we're looking for our breakthrough is we need to pray. We saw that in verses 10 and 14. David inquired of the Lord both times that he went to battle. He talked to him about it. Is this battle even to be fought? What should I do? Will you help me win? Even though he'd already slain at this point the giant Goliath. But he was humble enough to know that he needed help with this present giant. And he was humble enough to ask for help. And like David, we have to go to the source of help, acknowledge our need, 
and ask God for our breakthrough. That is not the same as worrying in his general direction, right? I do that, so I know you do that, where we stew about something, and we think, oh, yeah, I prayed about that. No, you didn't. You just worried about it or stewed about it or miserable about it, right? Even a few words directed to God where we pray and we say, God, we know what you've done before. Do it again. Do it again. We need a breakthrough. Talk to him about your giant. Name your giant. Describe his warts. Describe how bad his breath smells. Describe anything you want about the situation to God. He wants to hear it because he cares. Talk to him. Or if it seems more like a wall than a giant, then name that wall that's blocking you. However you want to frame it, it doesn't matter. But ask him for the specific area of breakthrough that you need. Pick one thing. And I'm asking you to right now, write it on your handout. What is the one area of breakthrough that you most desperately need right now? Put it on your handout. How else will you know when it happens? Write what you need breakthrough for, and I'll give you a minute. God means business today, guys. He cares so desperately for you. He's as tired of some of this stuff as you are and more so. He wants breakthrough for you. Name that giant. Name that wall. Name that thing that you need breakthrough for. You know, prayer is not about begging. Remember, we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The victory Jesus already won on the cross, it's done. But he tells us to ask. We have not because we ask not. It's not that our words are special. It's the power and presence backing the words. He's already paid the price for your back breakthrough. It's bought and it's done. You legitimately own it. On the cross, he said, it is finished, case closed. It is yours now. We just need to apply that which has already been done. Is this some sort of name-it-and-claim-it sermon? No, you know me better than that. Pastor Greta, do you know how many prayers I've prayed which haven't yet come to pass? How can you in integrity say that it's already mine? If it was already mine, I wouldn't be needing a breakthrough now. Hello? How can you say it? Let me explain it like this. If I went to any one of you right now and said, can I please just for a minute see all the money that you have? You'd dig in your purse or dig in your pocket, pull out some bills, pull out a handful of change, maybe some breath mints, some pocket lint, and you'd spread it all out and I'd say, okay, is this all the money you have in the world? And you might say, well, it's all that I have on me right now. I have more at home or in the bank, but this is all I have here. So it is with prayer. 
once you pray for something, it's yours. You may not see it in your pocket here on you, but it's in your heavenly bank account. Jesus said three times in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask. I was going to kind of zip through that just for speed's sake, but I want to show it to you because you have to get this. You have to get this part. John 14, 15, and 16. And whatever you ask in my name, this is red letters, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Chapter 15, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Next one. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Whatever you ask, say whatever. Whatever you ask in his name, even a breakthrough. Even if you ask for something as big as a breakthrough, whatever you ask, no matter the size, no matter the complexity of the problem, no matter how big the giant is or how many whiskers he has or how he's drooling over you or how he's fee-fi-fo-fumming over you or how many cousins he has, it doesn't matter because he says, whatever you ask, I will do for you. When he said, whatever you ask is yours, he meant it. He's not a liar. He's not a tease. He's not pulling your leg or raising false hopes. You have it. You may or may not have it on you, here with you at this exact moment, but you have it. He may choose to even show it to you here on earth, but if not, be at peace. You have it. Even better still, through prayer, you'll be knowing the God of the breakthrough. You'll be knowing him better in a greater way, which is far better than any breakthrough itself. He himself is our portion, better than any breakthrough. But he brings us breakthrough too. Somebody say he's doubly good. He's doubly good. He wants to bring us breakthrough too. Watch now. Just as we let go of hopelessness and we grabbed a hold of that unseen rope of hope, right? We grabbed a hold of the unseen rope of hope. Prayer is then taking that rope and looping it around the request, binding on heaven and an earth, right? So you're taking that hope and you're praying. You're looping that around the thing that you are requesting. Binding it in heaven and earth. So in just a second, I'd like you to pray a one-sentence prayer with me. We're going to pray, Lord, please bring breakthrough with. You can stay seated. But I'd like you to actually direct this prayer to God. And 
and say whatever the thing is that you need breakthrough for. Right now, direct your hearts to God and let's pray, Lord, please bring breakthrough with my family, with my life, my ministry, with everything. Lord, please bring breakthrough. And I'll add, and if it's your will, show it to us on this side of heaven. Our God is the God of breakthrough. We've stirred hope within us. We've begun to pray and now to obey. Verse 16 says that so David did as God commanded him. He didn't just think about it or have good intentions. Remember back to our key verse, and it said, God has broken through my enemies. Did you notice the middle of that verse? It says, by my hand. God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. God worked that miraculous, earth-shattering breakthrough by using David's hand. God did it. It says God has broken through. God did it. But he used David's hand. David could barely believe it. My hand. God's used me. He's used me as an active participant, not passively just sitting by and waiting for a breakthrough to drop from a drone. He used David's hand to actively partner with God for this breakthrough. God usually chooses to partner with us. And he asks each of us to obey in a different way. To one, he said, dip in a river. To another, get out of the boat. Another, march around the wall. Or pick up your mat, or pour out the oil, or go forth, or wait and be still. Strike the rock, speak to the rock. You can't box up God because he's a person. There is no formula. You have to hear from him. If I could tell you specifically what to do in your situation, then I'd be your God, and then you'd really be in trouble. <laughs> but I can tell you this. Like Mary at Cana, whatever he tells you to do, whatever he tells you to do, do it. When we spoke of praying, it was whatever we ask. And now we respond by obeying whatever he asks. Obeying is embracing what God says, even if the strategy seems unusual. Think about what that strategy looked like to David's men. You're going to march around the mulberry trees, and you're going to wait till you hear marching in the tops of the trees. They must have wanted to do some coaching for God, right? Like, can't we come up with a better plan than that? Come on, God. It must have seemed like, you know, a game of here we go around the mulberry bush. It must have seemed very strange and unusual. But God was going before them, like we talked about already. God was going before them and sending unseen angel warriors. God is going before you when you obey his plan. Unseen angels. Again, it comes back to hope. For hope that's seen is no hope at all. Watch now. We threw away we threw away hopelessness. We tossed it out. We threw it away. 
we grab the unseen rope of hope that's anchored in God. We, through prayer, looped it around the request, what our need is, what our area of breakthrough is, and obeying is then pulling that thing from the realm of the unseen to the realm of the seen. One inch at a time, one stone at a time, we're slaying one giant at a time, moving one mountain at a time, one pebble at a time. It's the steps we have to take, those God-directed steps. When simple earthly steps are God-directed, they are powerful for tearing down strongholds. We have breakthrough by obeying God, simple actions that have power when God-directed. There's an element of faith partnering with God to do the impossible. Somebody wave some at me so I know you get it, if you get it. That rope of hope isn't for no reason. It's so that we will pray with it and we will do whatever God says to do and we will see that breakthrough. Obedience. That too is knowing that God had the breakthrough knowing him as Lord and not just your buddy. Wince and repeat, right? God, obedience is knowing the Lord, not just as your buddy, but as your Lord. David obeyed and the outcome was amazing. His breakthrough looked like this. He drove back the Philistines. Their idols were proven worthless and burned. David's fame went into all the land. God was with him wherever he went. The stage was set for preparing a place for the ark of God and all his other ministry. God worked his purposes. Israel was blessed and freed of oppression. Glory went to God, and it's still setting an example for us today. It's a win, 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 win. What if your breakthrough is just as successful? What if your breakthrough is just ahead? Can you feel the heart of the Lord for you? He wants that breakthrough for you more than you even want it for yourself. I have one last illustration for you, but before I do that, I want to tell you about this. I started a breakthrough book. It's just a stupid little composition notebook. But if you write your name, you don't have to tell me anything about your situation. Just write your name. I am going to continue to pray for breakthrough for you until you get it. Write your name. If you want to tell me some other time about it, I'd love to hear about it. But here, just write your name. And just remember to tell me when you have a breakthrough, okay? So that then we can complete this. But God cares What you're going through matters. And we are going to continue to press in until you receive. So at the end, before you go, come and sign your name in there. Okay, our time's getting short, but I really want to show you this. Okay, you ready for this great revelation? God is not a cake. Wow, deep, huh? God is not a cake. What do I mean by that? Excuse me. Two things. 
two things. First, on our birthdays, my mom used to let us choose whatever kind of cake we wanted, and it would turn up exactly to our specifications at the precise moment expected. God is not bound to our specifications and our timing, right? Sometimes we want God on our terms. Don't be surprised if he doesn't go along with that, okay? So that's the first thing. God is not a cake. Second one takes a little bit longer to explain, but if you hang with me, I think you'll get it. When we learned about spiritual gifts, we learned that they're distributed each to each one as God sees fit. To one is given the gift of teaching, so maybe they get a slice and it says, okay, you are a teacher. To another is given a slice, maybe, say, of evangelism. Okay, and you're given that slice. To another person, maybe a prophetic person, they're given a slice of their prophetic, and that person may or may not also have a slice of, say, hospitality. Okay? That's how spiritual gifts work, but that is not how everything about God works. The problem with that is that we can start to think about everything about God in that way. For gifts, it's true. For other things, it isn't. You don't get to choose what gifts you get, but you do get to choose how much of God you have. You don't get little slices of God. For example, the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can have as much of those as you want. You can have all of it that you want. Same with other things of God like compassion, truth, wisdom, strength, courage, strategy, all sorts of things. You can have all that you want of all of them through the Holy Spirit. Someone else didn't get your slice. You don't run out. You can't say, well, Joe's the joyful one. I mean, he is joyful. But you can't say, well, Joe got all the joy, and so I'm just fresh out. I just have to do without. That, that piece of the cake that I was looking for, that piece is just missing. It's just not there because, you know what, Joe got it. Or Linda got all the patience. She can wait for her breakthrough. I just don't have that kind of patience. She's the patience one. No, you can have all the patience, all the joy, all the kindness, all the love, all the everything that he is without limit. All of God is available to all of you. Not just all of you, although that's true, but all the places in you that need God. All of that, God is available to all of you. He's given us all we need for life and godliness through the Holy Spirit. All of God is available for all of you. You know the scripture about how wide and high and deep and long is the love of God. And I say to you also how high and deep and long is the patience of God. How high and deep and long is the peace of God. How high and deep and long 
It never runs out. There's an eternal pool of him that you can draw from. And we're so used to saying, I can't. Sometimes those breakthroughs are stopped in the gate of our mind where you say, I'm not like that. I don't have that slice. You do. You have it in him. And all we have to do is draw from it. It may not be familiar to you. You may not be used to it. You may not be used to seeing that aspect of God. But all that he is, is available to all of you. So don't say, I'm too weak. If anyone could say that, I could. Say, I feel weak right now. But through God, I have access to all his strength. And this is not the power of positive thinking. This is the power of the word of God. This is the power of the gospel. That all of the Holy Spirit is available to you. Don't say I'm counted out of this breakthrough because I'm lacking in this way. All of God is available to all of you. If God says to start a ministry, all of his strategy is available to you so you can obey. There's nothing blocking your obedience. If he asks you to do something complex, his wisdom is there for you. If you need more love for a breakthrough with your family, grab a hold of it, even if you didn't feel it before, but you can grab it because it's there. If he says, forgive one more time, He'll give you the strength to do it, the kindness to do it, the love to do it. If he asks you to be still and wait for his breakthrough, then his patience is at the ready. If he asks something of you and you're just so tired, his compassion, his rest, and his endurance are there. All he is is real and in full supply at your fingertips if you draw on it. He is not a cake divvying himself up in little slices to you. You have full access to all of him. And can I tell you something? He looks on you with as much love and care as he looked on David. Sometimes we look at these Bible figures and you say, oh, that was for them. That slice wasn't for me. And God says, no, I have all of me for all of you. That's the type of love he is. He gives all of himself to all of us. You don't get leftovers. You don't get to look at yourself and say, boy, I have a need in this area, but my slice must have just been missing. All of God is available to all of us. So what if what if you started to draw on God in a way that you never did before? What if you started to hope like never before? What if you started to pray like never before? What if you took new steps of obedience? The breakthrough that is likely to come. What if we all collectively started to draw on all of him like never before? That's grounds for a breakthrough. So why else is this important? This is important because of this. Someday, you may, I hope not, but you may find yourself in a place like that woman in Batikolo, Sri Lanka, where waves of tsunamis have hit you. 
You may think, well, I've just been doing battle for the Lord. I've been fighting Philistines, some wins, some losses. That's how it goes. All of a sudden, a whole new wave of giants comes your way. And you find your legs chopped out from under you. And you find yourself in a crumbled heap on the floor. And what do giants do? They make you feel small. At those moments, everything in you feels small. And you feel these big, ugly giants gloating over you, glowering over you, and just laughing, mocking at you. And you feel like, you know what? Maybe it's done. Maybe this is the end. I have nothing more left in me. But in that moment, the spirit of the living God is going to come on you because I've asked that for you. The spirit of the living God is going to come on you and you're going to feel that little breath of hope and you're going to stir some hope in yourself even though you're a mess on the floor. And brothers and sisters are going to come to you and speak words of hope to you and look in your eyes and cry with you and pray with you and speak hope. And you are going to start to go from that You'll feel yourself start to be able to rise up. And then you're going to remember, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a child of God. I have the Holy Spirit with me. And he's for me. And he's in me. And all of God is accessible to all of me. I'm not God, but I have the strength of God. I have the joy of God. I have the love of God. I have the hope of God. And you'll start to speak that truth to yourself, and you will feel yourself coming alive again. And you're going to look down at that giant, and you're going to speak words of truth. You're going to slay them by the word of your testimony, by the word of God, and loving not your life even unto death. You are going to speak to that, and you are going to see those giants crumble. You're going to see pieces of their facade break off and fall to the ground, and it's going to be a huge clanging symbol because there was no love in them, and you're going to be able to see right through them now, their hollowness, and they are going to be crumpled on the ground where you once were, and you are going to be the victor, just as it was said of David, and David defeated them there. They are going to say in the halls of heaven, and you defeated them there. Loretta defeated him there. Frank defeated him there. Gregory defeated those giants that were after him. He defeated them right there. And they're going to say that of you. That you defeated those giants by the word of God. Because all he is is available to all of you. God is serious about you getting your breakthrough today. So we're going to have a different strategy. Things are going to be a little different than usual. I'm going to ask the musicians not to play. I'm going to ask the prayer team not to come up. I'm going to ask the ushers not to ush. And just for a minute or two, I want us all, all, all,
to see God for your breakthrough. All of us, just let there be a holy hush in this place where all of us do business with God. Even tech team, just leave the machines. And if we as a body join our hearts and we humble ourselves and we just ask God, if you don't need a breakthrough, God bless you. Pray for somebody else who does. Or pray for Rochester. Pray for our nation. But we're going to believe that the God of the breakthrough is here this morning. Seek him now, please. You can come to the altar. You can do whatever you need to do. Just seek God. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.